you are stronger than you think. We've been talking about um, thinking big, vision, purpose in life, winning in life. But listen, if you have not seen last week's message, you need to go online and watch that. There was a hiccup with Facebook, not us, but Facebook nationwide. Uh, and so we weren't able to live stream it, but we recorded it, and now it's on our website, uh, so you can watch that. But you need to watch that probably more than once, or listen to it. You can listen to it as well. We have it on audio or visual, but uh, you need to watch about how important you really are. You need to get that in your mind, renew your mind. You need to get that inside of you. But there was a clip of that message, and it has over a 1,000 views. So we are affecting people's lives, I'm telling you. It has over 1,000 views. That's, I don't know about you, but that's just tremendous. That is awesome. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, you've heard of him. He's, this is a great quote. He said this, Our chief want is someone who will inspire us to be what we know we could be. I'm going to say that again. Our chief want. Everybody has a want. Your chief want, your number one want is someone who will inspire us to be what we know we could be. God's going to use me to do that for you. That's a handful of you. We'll get the rest of you by the end of this. By the end of the message, we'll have the rest of you on board and those watching as well. But uh, there's a great story by most people know Will Smith, the actor. You know, he's an actor. But did you know also that he's a movie producer? He produces movies. And uh, one of his friends came to his house, and uh, he has this big glass wall, and he has over 150 index cards on this wall, and that he was working on a movie. You know, movies have, you know, there's a high points and low points, and there's usually something really drastically happened that's bad, and they don't think that you're going to make it. You know, you're just moving, jockeying all those around, and his friend was looking on this and says, man, that looks so confusing. Where do you start? He goes, oh, that's easy. You start from the end. You know, you get a picture of what you want the end to be, and then you work forward. He said, that's easy to start. And so I, I was reminded of Isaiah chapter 46. That it says that God knows the end from the beginning. Today, I want to inspire you to know your end. What kind of end do you want? What kind of end do you want your life to be? What kind of year do you want the end of this year? What would you like for it to be? Well, Jeremiah 2011, 29.11 says this, I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you, not abandon you, plans to give you the future you hope for. Who's hoping for this? You. Most people, if you say, what are you hoping for, they would probably not, oh, I don't know. Well, you know, zero times any number is zero. I made straight A's in math, so I know what that is. Zero times a thousand is zero. Zero times a million zero. So if you're hoping for nothing, you will hit that every time. If you are hoping for nothing, you will hit that 
every single time. So my inspiration to you today, encouragement to you today is get some hope in you. Get some hope in you. And I know that, you know, a lot of people give up on hope because they've had so many disappointments in life. And if you have so many disappointments, that can lead to discouragement, and discouragement can lead to absolute uh, no hope. And a lot of people on this planet are walking around in that state of hopelessness. And uh, there's been some times in my life that I have really had some hard times. All of us have. You know, I've never wanted to commit suicide. But there are been times in my life that, you know, I would think, Father, this would be a good time for the rapture. Just take me out of here, you know. And uh, there's been times that you or maybe some friends of yours, you go what we call dark times. They've had some dark times, hard times. And what do you do during those times? There's times that, man, you can't see a way out. There's times where you don't think there is a way out and nobody can help you. You don't think anybody can help you. But this is one of my favorite scriptures. It's probably my testimony of my life. This is a testimony of my life. Psalms chapter 40, verse 1 through 3, it says, I waited and waited and waited some more. Have you ever been there? I waited on God and I thought, dear Lord, is he hearing me? And I waited, and I waited, and then I waited some more, patiently knowing God would come through for me. Now, that's the point. And listen to me. It's not because God is just waiting, and he wants you to go through some things. That's not it at all. A lot of religious people think that. No. God is waiting for you to listen to him so you can get out of the mess that you chose to be in. This is going to be really good today. (laughs) Knowing God would come through for me, then at last he bent down and listened to my cry. He stooped down to lift me out of danger from the desolate pit I was in, out of the muddy mess I had fallen into. Now he's lifted me up into a firm, secure place. He stayed to me while I walk along his ascending path. Ascending, you're going up. Verse 3, a new song for a new day rises up in me. You know what that new song is? It's a song of grace. It's a song that I don't have to perform anymore. God loves me. It's a song of acceptance. It's a song that God loves me for who I am right now. That's the new song. Every time I think about how he breaks through for me, ecstatic praise pours out of my mouth until everyone hears how God has set me free. Many will see his miracles. They'll stand in all of God and fall in love with him. You all, all of us have gone through difficult times in our life. Maybe you're going through a difficult time now. Maybe there's people watching that are going through a difficult time now. But this is the thing you need to know. There is strength for you that is greater than what you're going through. God's provision is always greater than the need. I'm going to say that again. God's provision is always greater than your need. He doesn't just meet your need. It's far greater than what you even need. There's provision for you every single day of your life for everything that you're going through. There's provision for you in that area of your life. In Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 25, it says this. 
Your sandals shall be iron and bronze. As your days, so shall your strength be. You read that and you go, what in the world does that mean? You got, I'm, who goes to the mall and says, I want a pair of, I want some bronze or iron sandals. <laughs> Going to look at you really funny. And uh, so that's not exactly, you know, you get sandals that are made out of leather, but how many you know they wear out? What he's talking about here, it's symbolic. When you're, anytime it talks about walking in life, it means uh, your way of life. What's going on in your life? Your way of life is your walk of life. And so what he's saying is here, he says, I'm going to give you shoes that are made of iron and bronze, which means they're going to last you. They're going to last. As long as you're on this planet, they will last you. And then he says, as your days, so shall your strength be. So that's the part that he says, as long as you're on this planet, every day of your life, you're going to have strength, sufficiently strength enough for you that day. So when people say, I just can't take this anymore. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I can't handle this anymore. But this is where God comes into the picture, and you need to look to him because he says, I've got you on this. I've got you on this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 says this, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. You know, God, I've said this so many times, God wants you to succeed more than what you want to succeed. God wants you to be happier more than you want to be happy. He does. We just need to get a hold of him. Just listen to what he's saying to you. You know, we have big vision. We have a big vision at our church. I mean, we're going to... Uh, build a university in the Congo. We're going to build a youth center for our city. We're going to purchase property for our church. And uh, we're believing for a 5,000-member church. At least smile at me, all right? You say, man, that that is so big. That is... You know, you used to go, you, I don't know, they still, I guess, do it. You go to McDonald's or these places, and you say, I want that supersized. Amen. Well, that's what God wants to do to your life. Amen. He wants to show you that he can supersize anything that you're hoping for. Amen. Anything that you're hoping for, he can supersize it. But, you know, a lot of us, when we're making goals, th- this is probably what a lot of people Uh, they have written down for their goals, which is so vague. Does this sound like something you may have written down? Uh, Save money. Lose weight. Get out of debt. Better fellowship with God. I'm going to spend more time with my family. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to read more. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to write. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, all the above. Uh, Terry Seville Foy, we were in the conference that Danielle was talking about, and she says this. This is great. Are you ready? Vague goals produce vague results. So if you're just vague, oh, I'm just, I'm going to 
I'm going to lose weight. Yes, yes, hallelujah, I'm going to lose weight. It's so vague, you know. For this year, I, I said that on my birthday, I'm going to be a certain weight. No, I don't have to tell you. But on my birthday, I'm going to be a certain weight. All of you just went, I wonder what it is. I wonder what it is. But, you know, if you're a lady, if you're a man, you know, don't just say, I'm just, I'm going to lose weight. No, pick a date that's what you want to weigh. And don't be ridiculous. If you're 75 pounds overweight, don't think in 30 days you're going to be 75 pounds. You know, that's just stupid. All right? No, be, be realistic in your, in your goals. But goals need to be uh, measured, and there needs to be a date set on those. Don't just say, you know, well, I'm going to be out of debt. I want to get out of debt. And this is a big one that Christians, oh, this full gospel Christians, this is a big one. I'm believing for increase. I'm just believing for increase. Well, here's 20 bucks. There, you increase. Very good. No, you need to be specific. Be specific. I'm going to save money this year. How about I'm going to save $5,000 by December 31st? I'm going to get out of debt. Pick one of your lowest bills and say, I'm going to get this paid off by December 31st. Pick a bill and, and, and do that. Be specific. If you want to write a book, you know, I hear people say, I'd like to write a book. You could say that for 10 years. How about I'm going to write chapter 1 by August 1st? Ooh. I'm going to do that. Be very specific, you know, because I'm telling you, if you just are vague, you're never going, you're just going to discourage yourself. Well, I knew I couldn't lose weight, so you quit. But just do it a little bit. I'm going to lose five pounds by a such and such date. I'm going to lose 10 pounds by a such and such date. Don't put, I'm going to lose 100 pounds in 30 days. You are going to die is what you're going to do. And I'll be at your funeral. All right. Deadlines, they help motivate you. And uh, they say this, that the most productive day of the year, you know what that is? The day that you, before you go on vacation. Why? Wow, you can just be so productive. If you want to get your house clean, just invite some guests over. What are you going to do? You're going to get your house clean. Is that true? So most of you say, I'm never inviting anyone. No, you invite somebody over. Then what does it do? It puts a deadline. I'm gonna, I need to get my house clean this week. I need to get it clean this month. I need to get it clean this year. <laughs> that would be sad. But anyway, what would you like the end of this year to look like? What would you like the end of this year to look like? Would you like to have one certain bill paid for? Would you like to have a certain amount in your checking account, your savings account? Would you like to have a certain car? Would you like to uh, be able to give a certain amount? I just cussed in church. Oh, my goodness. Would you like to give a certain amount? You know, people would say this, you know, like, I would just, if I, if I win the lottery, Pastor... I would give a million dollars. You know, that's really not comforting to me, just so you know. I'm not inspired by that. 
But what, how about setting a smaller goal? Because, you know, we can just all just live in la-la land. Be specific. Don't be vague. Uh, and this is what you need to do. Write down your five to ten top goals. Write them down. Write them down. Be specific. And, and th- there's some people here, I know, maybe you're retired, and you think, you know what, I, I don't care anything about goals. That's okay. You can hook up with the church. You can hook up with our church, and you can go on our website, rmfchurch.org. Click on where it talks about our vision and hook up with our goal on that. How about that? Actually, our whole church needs to do that, not just for those people who are retired. Everybody who, if you're a member of this church, you need to hook up with that and say, man, I'm going to believe with our church family. This is our vision. This is not just my vision. This is our vision, our family vision. All right? The second service is supposed to be just a little bit more lively than the first, but we're all struggling today, aren't we? Some of the most successful people were interviewed. Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, I think that's how you pronounce his name, the guy who started Amazon, uh, Howard Schultz, the guy who started Starbucks. A lot of these famous people were interviewed, and there was two common traits that every single one of them said that helped them to be successful. I think that's pretty important to know what those two common traits are. Would you like to know those two common traits? We're going to talk about it next week. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. (laughs) Although that would be good. You would probably come back next week for sure. But the two common traits are this, or two common things. The first one is continual learning. Continual learning. How many of us, when we got out of school, that we said, we are never going to read another book ever again. We are never going to study ever again. I said that. I just thought, I never want to take another test. I never want research paper. I, that, oh, you, that's a cuss word to me. I hated research paper, you know. I hated all of that, so I thought, I'm ne- I don't ever want to do that. But that is the worst thing that you can possibly do. Continual learning. The number one quality, the number one quality I say to our church, I've said it for years, the number one quality that we need to have is to stay teachable. Number one quality, not only for a Christian, but for any person on this planet. You need to stay teachable. If you don't stay teachable, you're not going to learn. And that even when it comes to, to the Word of God, you know, I didn't used to understand much about the grace of God. I thought I did. And then the Lord showed me that I didn't know squat when it came to the grace of God. That I didn't know squat when it came to how God loved me and accepted me. And I'm a pastor. And the Lord goes, yeah, and you don't know squat. But he says, I can teach you. If you stay teachable, if you stay teachable, I say, Lord, I want to learn about how much you love me. I want to learn about, listen to me, there's people that are watching, there's people on this planet that don't have a clue about the character and the nature of God. I'm telling you, the majority of Christians don't have a clue. And definitely the people who don't know anything about God, they don't have a clue. But the people who think, yeah, I know about God, you know, uh, they don't have a clue. How much he loves them, how much he accepts them. 
how valuable that he sees every person on this planet. We need to change that. And we are. And we're going to. Amen? But to be continual learning. You know, audiobook. I, I'm a member of audiobook. If you don't like to read, just become a member. It's a, I don't even know what it is. It's a flat fee per month. And, and uh, I just listen to audiobooks probably almost every day of my life. And you read a book. If you don't like reading, you can listen to it. I read and I listen as much as I possibly can. That is how you're going to learn. That is how you're going to grow. Learning. Coming to church. Coming to church. One minister told me this years ago, he says, if you don't like to read, at least, at least listen to somebody who does. So if you don't like to read or listen, well, at least come here and I'll, I'll feed you a full course meal. Dessert on top. Amen? Hallelujah. The second one is all of these people that had uh, the common trait was this. Or the common goal was they wrote down their goals. You can go to the majority of people on the street and say, let me see your goals. Do you have any goals? Uh, no. No. So these successful people continually learned and they wrote down their goals. I think that's an easy thing to do. I think you can do that. I think people who are watching can do that. Habakkuk chapter 2 says that. God says to write the vision, make it plain. Write it down. And he says write it down for people to see. And the number one person needs to see that is you. You need to see that. You need to see that. Every day, look at your goals. How many have heard of Susie Orman? She's a pretty popular lady and talks about finances, getting out of debt and everything. She started off working at Merrill Lynch years ago before anybody knew her. And she was petrified because of the financial goals that she was supposed to make for the company in sales. She just thought, man, she was totally petrified. Every day of her life, she lived in fear. And then one day, she did what I'm talking to you all about. She started writing down her goals, and this is what she wrote down. I am young. I am powerful. I'm successful, producing at least $10,000 per month in sales. She wrote that down every day and said it out loud to herself every single day of her life. Every single day of her life. She said, writing my goals down replaced my fears of inadequacies with endless possibilities. I'm going to say it again. She wrote down her goals, she said, and that replaced her fears of inadequacies with endless possibilities. All of us feel inadequate at times in our life, and some of us are consumed with inadequacies. And I'm telling you, if you want to get rid of them, write down something that's the total opposite of it and speak it to yourself. Write it down and speak it to yourself. It's like taking medication. Some of you need to be drugged. But and this, that was a joke. But the drugs that I'm talking about is the Holy Ghost pills. Gosh, pills. I'm 
trying to get some help in here. <laughs> Terry Savelle Foy, the, when I was in her conference, she said this. She said, you know that when Jesus was tempted, he said this three times to the devil. He said, it is written. It is written. There's something powerful about knowing what is written. God knew how powerful it was to write down this, this word. Equally as important is what you are writing about your life. What do you want it to be? What do you want the end to be? What do you want the end of this year to be? What do you want the end of your life to be? Have you ever been to some funerals? <laughs> you come in late or whatever. I'm not late because I'm usually the one giving it. But, I mean, some people come in late and, uh, and people are standing up and they're talking about this person. <laughs> and, you know, the guy who comes in late goes, I must be at the wrong funeral because everything they're saying about this guy was not true that the one that I knew, man, <laughs> he was. Anyway. I'm just trying to liven up the crowd just ever so slightly. But I, I want people to, when I'm gone, I want them to, to say not just big things, but things that change people's life. Amen. Listen to this. Now, this is going to rock everybody's religious boat. I've been doing that a lot lately, so we're just rocking and rolling. This is a different definition of sin by this one minister. I didn't catch his name, but uh, it, it's just really good. Are you ready? Talking about sin. If I mention sin, most people go, oh, yeah, adultery, taking drugs, robbing a bank, you know, all this. Listen to this. Are you ready? Sin is any thought, feeling, belief, or behavior that causes us to experience ourselves less than God sees us and thereby fail to experience the prize, the goal, for example, the life of God. I don't think you got that. Let me just break it down to you. In other words, if you see yourself less than what God sees you, you're really in sin, which means you're missing the mark. That's what sin means. You're missing the mark. God sees you successful, he sees you blessed, he sees you highly favored, he sees you the head and not the tail. That's the way God sees you. And so in reality, we are missing the mark anytime we don't see ourselves like that. And the majority of the population, including the church, sees themselves unsuccessful and not making it. Woo! I'm telling you, God, wants you to see you the way that he sees you. And so you have to change the way that you see yourself. What are you writing down for your goals? So I did this. I, uh, this is called a vision board. And if you can't see it, you can come up and see it after the service. But uh, it's property for our church. It's 5,000 members. I went online and found some churches that are 5,000 people, and I just got a picture of it and posted it on there. Why? Because I'm going to see that. That's what I'm seeing. All right? Uh, I wrote this down, a mandate to change the way people think about God. That is just burns within me because most people think God is some fuddy-duddy. 
I was in, when I was growing up in church, I thought God was the most boring person on the, the planet because everybody in church was boring. If this is how heaven was going to be like, I thought, Lord, help me. I hope I live to be 120 for sure because, I don't, man, if it's that boring, at least I can. <laughs> you are so holy out there. But anyway, God is the coolest person on, that we can possibly imagine. He is so cool. I'm telling you, the more I find out about God, I go, man, God, you are so cool. He's the coolest. And he thinks you're the coolest. You know, those some people I don't like to hang around that much because they don't think that much about me. And it's obvious. If you got some people like that, don't, don't. Just keep looking forward. But I mean, you, but there's people that I love to hang around because they enjoy being with me and my company and I can impart to them and they can impart to me and they like me for who I am and all of my weaknesses and faults. Don't you like hanging around people like that? Did you know that's the way God looks at you? He loves you and all of your weaknesses and all your faults and he, he just likes hanging out with you. We need to change the way people think about God. And I got a picture of Dad Hagemeyer's University of the Congo. That's the way it's going to look. And then I got some personal things on our youth centers down at the bottom. So those are three things for the church. And then I put the, this, I'm just bringing you all into my personal aspect. I mean, I'm going to own an apartment complex. And I'm going to own a commercial building. I'm just seeing the, the responses on your face. But, uh, and then I've got... Fifteen to $30,000 a month income coming in outside the church. You think, what are you talking about? I go, I'm talking about living so prosperous. The Bible says if you want to be a blessing, you have to know that you are blessed. You can't give something that you don't have. I just love being a blessing to people. I just love to be a blessing to people. Uh, Joel and I were at Popeye's uh, last week, and uh, it was uh, a long line and everything, so we got our order in, and we stepped back, and then a young man just walked up there, and um, younger than me, so I don't mean like, <laughs> watch your thoughts. He was probably like mid-30s or whatever, but uh, it just, in my heart, I just thought, Buy his meal. So I went, kind of stood behind him, and I thought, I'm going to buy his meal. So it was him by himself. My lightning fast mind, I'm thinking, 10 bucks, 15 bucks. I mean, that dude ordered everything on the menu. <laughs> the bill was 60 something dollars. Sixty-something dollars. So I'm sitting there and going, Lord, have mercy. You picked one, Mike. So I said, uh, he was getting ready to pull out his what? And I said, no, I got this. He looked at me and the, the cash register lady, she was even what? What? She was more shocked than him. And I said, I'm going to pay for this man. So he said, 
no, sir. You, you, did you see how much it costs? It's, it's $67. I, I go, yeah, I'm going to pay for it. I said, if it's less than 100 I'm good. If it's over 100 I'm sweating a little bit. But if it's under 100 I'm going to pay for it. He goes, you, you don't know me. And that, that lady across the street, do you know that man? I go, no, I don't know him. I go, my name's Mike Davis. And he told me his name. I already forgot. But he told me his name. I says, I'm going to pay for that. This guy took a step back. Listen to me now. I'm not telling you this to pat myself on the back, but listen to me. Listen to me. He said, I just had a meeting that we, with this man and this team of people, and that we are going to work on helping the youth of our city. They're struggling, and, and we just came from a meeting about that. And, and uh, he says, man, I, he says, do you go to church? I said, I'm a pastor of a church. And he said, then he said, I want to come and visit you. And, uh, but he just started talking to me about And then this lady over, the other, people started gathering around. I didn't mean to make a scene. Somebody, one of the ladies come and said, would you like something to drink while you wait for your order, sir? <laughs> it's, it's amazing what people, they just see. What, what do they see? They're not seeing Mike Davis. They're seeing the goodness of our Heavenly Father. I told that guy, I says, man, this, he says, why are you doing that? I says, because God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Now, I'm saying this not, not, uh, he was a black man. And, you know, we have to start doing things to tell people that color has nothing to do with it. I'm telling you. People, there, there is a divisive thing that is working in our nation. And I'm coming against it with everything in me. And it's called the love of God that will destroy everything that the enemy tries to put against people. I'm telling you. And he gave me, he, he was built like Tony. So he gave me one of them hugs. And I go, okay, okay we're good. We're good. <laughs> But listen to me, people. It's, it, you, you just need to know. That's why. So I, I got off on a rabbit trail and a half. But um, so when people say, well, you just want to be rich. Yeah, I do. And if, if you have a problem with that, you're probably not going to like our church. Amen. You know why? Because I'm going to teach you to prosper. I'm going to teach you to be successful. I'm going to teach you that you're the head and not the tail, that God wants you to succeed in every area of your life, in your finances, in your health, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your schoolings, in your job. Everything that you touch causes you to prosper, causes you to be successful. So if you have a problem with me being like that, you're probably are just wanting an excuse because you know that you can't attain that. Everybody say, the pastor loves me today. Everybody say, the pastor loves me today. There was a young man who just was struggling coming out of college. And he didn't know what to do with his wife. He was raised, his mother owned a beauty shop all 
most of his days growing up. And uh, so he was in the beauty shop when he came home from college, struggling. He was unhappy. He didn't know what was going to happen. He was sitting there. And a lady, Ruth was her name. She came in. She was a lifelong customer of uh, his mother's beauty shop. And she would sit down and, uh, to get her hair fixed and everything. And she saw the young man sitting there. Oh, it's so good to see you back from school. Oh, yeah. And so they were small talk, talking and everything. And all of a sudden, before they started working on her hair, she said, give me, give me a pen and paper right now. So he ran and got a pen and paper, and she started writing down these things. And then she handed it over to this young man. And she says, I just felt this burning that I had to write this down and give this to you. And this is what the note says. She says, you're going to speak and influence millions of people. You will travel around the world, and you're going to make a difference in people's life. God has something amazing in your future. And she handed it to him. And when he read that, his heart just started burning like, wow. He came alive just like she did. And um, he put that in his wallet. That was in 1975. And I'm told that he still has that in his wallet today. The man's name was Denzel Washington. You may not know too much about him, but I've looked at his life a little bit. He's helped uh, military people's families who've lost their, uh, who were killed in action, who's also, uh, they've been disabled for life by losing legs and arms, and, and he's built them homes. He's done, he's spent literally millions of dollars of his own money to help them. Not in that arena, but in every arena. He's helped people. He spoken to you. May not realize he, he actually is going to be doing it. I believe this August he's uh, the leadership summit that's uh, satellite nationwide. He's one of the speakers in the leadership summit. He affects people all around the world. Most people just know him as the actor, but he has helped so many people's lives. And he said, "When I got discouraged growing up, trying to find my way, he says I would pull out my wallet and I would read." what was written down about my life. This is powerful, man. Write down the end of your life. Write down the end of this year for your life. Write it down. Write it down. What do you want it to look like? What are you hoping for? Nothing. You're going to hit it. I'm not a prophet. Well, I mean, I've prophesied a little bit. But, I mean, I, I can prophesy to you that you're going to hit it. If you're, if you're not going to believe for anything, you'll hit that every time. I'm just saying that when you write things down and when you continually be a learner, life is going to change for you. Life will change for you. It's not young people. Do it. Older people do it. And I know there's some people that are retired here, but listen, you say, well, I don't care about writing down. Then write our vision down. Write it down and say, I'm believing for this. You know, most people have heard of Joel Osteen, but his daddy, John Osteen, I've heard him speak uh, several times in Tulsa uh, when he was alive. He said, when he was younger, he says, I always wanted to go visit a church that was believing something so big that there was no way for them to possibly do it because he knew that they didn't have the millions of dollars to do it, 
So he says he knew that it was going to come through people, and he says, Lord, use me as one of those people for those millions of dollars to come through. God wants to do big things. And he's going to use us as a church family to do that. You believe that? I'm telling you. Sometimes it it, it can be a little bit scary, you know. But this is what you have to do. You know, like when you're taking a a big family photo, you know, and everything, you got the camera and you go, oh, my goodness, it ain't going to fit. So you just have to back up. And you just have to back up. And you just keep backing up. And you just go, oh, my, what? You just... This is what God wants you and I to do today. He wants you to back up to the point that where you can see him. And you're relying, depending upon him. You know when a fly lands on a Picasso or some, uh, give me another famous. All of those. When a fly lands on it, you know, they see, they, they, I don't know how they do it, but they see, a fly sees, their, their eyes can go different directions, which is freaky enough. Anyway, but it sees all these different things. It just looks like a paint blob to the fly. It just looks like a paint blob, useless paint blob. And he's on a Rembrandt, or he's sitting there on the Mona Lisa. I saw the Mona Lisa when we went to uh, um, Paris. No, or is it London? Which, where is it at? Paris. We went to both cities, so I forgot where it was. But I got from here to the wall to, to the Mona Lisa. No closer than that. Probably about 10 feet from the Mona Lisa. I go, wow. This was so neat. I thought he painted that. It's worth millions. It's just a woman. But anyway, uh, but it's worth millions and millions of dollars. It's priceless. But when a fly lands on that, it's just a paint blob. Why? Because it's, it's all it sees. It's this close. When you and I back up, and you back up, and you back up, and you go, whoa, that's not just a paint blob. That is the Mona Lisa. That is priceless. When you back up out of your problems, out of your situation, out of your inadequacies, when you back up and you quit looking at yourself underneath the microscope, and you start knowing who you are in Christ, when you start seeing Christ in you, the hope of glory, and you just keep backing up, and you keep backing up, and you see how good God is, and you see how good God is, and you see how good God is, you can't help to be good to people, to be a giver to people, to want to help people, to want to help people's lives change. That is what I'm trying to get us to get a hold of. This isn't about Rocky Mountain Family Church just building three big things or doing some great things. No, this is more about changing the way that people think. It's, it's, it's about helping people where we're at. It's about causing people who are watching online to think differently about the God, to know that God loves them and that he can truly help you in every single area of your life. Write down the scriptures. Get a word. What you're believing for, you got to get a scripture. We've got, I've got scriptures for... For my uh, for this vision, uh, Psalms thirty-seven four, Psalms twenty-four, that God's going to give you the desire of your heart. The Ephesians three twenty, that God's going to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Psalms forty, that God places me uh, on the rock. Many will see it and sing a new song unto God, even praise to our God. Why did I pick that one? Because many 
I get to define what many is, millions of people. It's not 20. It's not 50. It's not 100. We are going to affect millions of people's lives. We are. But we need to believe that. That's what, this is much bigger than Mike Davis. It's much bigger than you. But guess what? When we come together and we're believing together and we're, we're speaking together and we're writing down, we're writing things down because we believe that, because we can know that God sees the end from the beginning. What do you want the end to look like? I challenge you. Maybe this is not something that you want to do, but, man, I enjoyed doing this. It took me a long time because I'm not really that artistic, so I needed help. But... Uh, I can see things. I look at that. Five days out of the week, I look at that. Five days out of the week, I look at that every single morning. I look at it, and I say it. Property, 5,000 members, university in the Congo, a youth center. I'm going to own a commercial building. I'm going to own an apartment complex. I'm changing the way people think about God. I'm going to have fifteen to $30,000 a month income coming in outside the church. Outside that, that means it doesn't come from here. Think big. Everybody say, That's my father. Let's stand.